Welcome back, everybody. It's time for a brand new Savage episode of Dream Slayer Studios, RPG podcast, Actual Plays. I'm Chris Tyner, your host and friendly internet game master, and we are currently playing a homebrewed world entitled Avalon by Gaslight in the Savage Worlds RPG system. If you haven't listened to our introductory episode, I highly recommend you do so before tuning into this one. We took some time to define the world of Avalon for you, and introduce you to the characters in the organization that they will be working for, known as the Knights of Victoria. I want to take a moment to thank all of the subscribers to both the podcast and the videos available on YouTube. Your feedback is greatly appreciated, and if you haven't done so already, please like and subscribe to both the Dreamslayer Studios YouTube channel and the podcast, and be sure to share it with your friends. Dreamslayer Studios can also be found on Facebook, and we are seeing our community grow there as well. I'm working hard to give you a more immersive feel to the games by adding music and editing for a more streamlined final product. So leave us a review or comment to let us know what you think. We appreciate your feedback. This episode of Dreamslayer Studios RPG Podcast is brought to you by The Loft, a four-part serial horror podcast co-written by myself and playwright Mark Rigney. Dreamslayer Studios and the Evansville North High School Drama Department in conjunction with the Evansville Vandenberg School Corporation proudly presents the serial horror podcast entitled The Loft. After a devastating loss in the family, a young girl and her friends fall into a mystery that has been looming in their community for generations. Through the use of a Ouija board, a mysterious new stranger helps them contact the spirit world in search of answers that result in dire consequences. Nightmares, spectral encounters, and exorcisms are the result of their exploration into the paranormal world. Will they make it out with their sanity intact? Recorded by our pals at Speak and Tell Podcast Studios in conjunction with WPSR, check out The Loft for a suspenseful journey into the theater of the mind in this thrilling mystery that unravels over four episodes. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere you download Dreamslayer Studios content. This podcast is produced by Speak and Tell Studios in Evansville, Indiana, and we thank them as always for their assistance in getting our little production out to the masses. Be sure and hit that subscribe button for all the upcoming adventures from Dreamslayer Studios. In the first episode of Avalon by Gaslight, our heroes are officially inducted into the Knights of Victoria, serving king and country in a battle against the forces of darkness. In this episode, you'll get the Grand Tour of the Athenium, the base of operations for the Knights of Victoria, and be introduced to some familiar faces along the way. Things move along quickly as the new recruit's handler, the artful dodger Jack Dawkins, sends them on their first investigation after what seems to be a run-of-the-mill vampire attack. Alas, things are not always what they seem. And now, ladies and gents, it's time for the premiere Savage Worlds episode of Avalon by Gaslight, Episode 1. Welcome to Avalon.
right, so as I said, I have a lot of exposition to get through in this first episode. So just you're going to listen to me talk probably for a while. So just uh, sit back and relax for a little bit, but feel free to chime in when you feel like you need to. Should we take notes? Um, I can post this later if you want. <laughs> so you guys are attending the induction ceremony uh, for the Knights of Victoria for new members. And you are the new members uh, that are being inducted this evening. The ceremony itself takes place in Parliament at midnight. Uh, each of you have endured one year of training by your mentor uh, who is retiring at this very same ceremony. Your mentors uh, served uh, a total of 15 years before they were retired. And at the end of that time, they are assigned a protege to take their place. Uh, and you are said protégés. The master of ceremonies for this evening's process is Herbert Henry Asquith, H.H. Asquith, the first Earl of Oxford, Liberal Prime Minister of Avalon. There is much pomp and circumstance uh, that surrounds this particular ceremony as it only uh, occurs once per year, uh, and you are the new inductees this year. The Honorable H.H. Asquith takes the stand and greets the crowd. Good evening, fine gentlemen and ladies of the great land of Avalon. May the memory of our great Queen Victoria shine steadfast in your hearts on this great evening of celebration. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of our once and former queen and the great leader of our nation, King Edward VII, I welcome each and every one of you to the induction ceremony of Her Majesty's Secret Service, the Knights of Victoria. On behalf of the men and women who are a part of this great service, I express our extreme pleasure at your presence at this ceremony. Each of these inductees have endured 365 days of training and preparation for this night. Membership in the Knights of Victoria is one of the greatest honors to be bestowed upon a citizen of Avalon. You are about to become a part of one of this world's most selective and secret organizations. With your membership in this institution, you pledge both life and limb to the protection and betterment of the continent of Avalon. The Knights of Victoria rose in the aftermath of the Great Awakening and began as a dream of our great mother queen at first to combat the forces of magic, but eventually to embrace this new gift bestowed upon our land, integrating this ancient art with the industrial revolution of which our great country stood at the forefront. Inductees, at this time, I ask that you please rise and repeat after me the oath of the Knights of Victoria. I state your name, do sincerely promise and swear. Aye. 
Better go, Jack. You can repeat if you like. <laughs> you sincerely promise and swear. <laughs> oh, you said rise, mate. Sorry. As I will be faithful. So I will be faithful. And bear true allegiance to his majesty. And bear true allegiance to his majesty. King Edward the Seventh. King Edward the Seventh. And the memory of our great mother, Queen Victoria. In the memory of our great mother, Queen Victoria. I will defend and protect my country in the service of the Knights of Victoria to the utmost of my power against all conspiracies and attempts which shall be made against Avalon crown or dignity. I will do my utmost to endeavor to disclose and make known to his majesty, his heirs and successors, all treasons and traitorous conspiracies which may be formed against him or them. I do faithfully promise to maintain, support, and defend to the utmost of my power the succession of the crown. I hereby solemnly profess that I do make this declaration in the plain and ordinary sense of the words of this oath, without any evasion, equivocation, or mental reservation whatsoever. This I do swear in the name of our great Queen Mother. And at this time he calls each of you forward uh, to present the Queen's emblem. Fellow Knight, wear this emblem with pride and close to your breast, for it represents your membership in Her Majesty's most distinguished organization. With the acceptance of this emblem, you do hereby pledge your very life to the people of Avalon. In the name of our great Queen Mother, I hereby bestow upon you this great honor, membership in the Knights of Victoria. And he repeats that process with each one of you uh, and pins uh, this medal on your chest. Uh, and if you have already noticed on uh, roll 20, the bennies that you are uh, in possession of, that is your um, emblem of the Knights of Victoria, that gear-shaped item that you see there. Um, and over the next few minutes, as the ceremony begins to wind down, uh, the mentors uh, will eventually introduce you to the gentleman who will be your handler uh, for your at least first year uh, of membership in the Knights of Victoria. He's a short, stocky, befreckled redhead that looks younger than he likely is. Evening, ladies and gents. Welcome to the Athenaeum. My name is Sir Jack Dawkins. Some of you may know me from your history books as the one formerly referred to as the Artful Dodger. A former street rat under the employ of a crime ring of orphans led by the man known as Fagin, who was hanged some 20 odd years ago. I was shown mercy by the courts and sent away to the prison state of Australia, where I saw the error of my ways, reformed and dedicated my life to the country that forced rehabilitation upon me. And now you have been given unto my care. If you'll follow me, 
I'll give you the sixpence tour. He walks uh, from the great, the grand hall, which you see uh, right here. This is where the big induction ceremony has taken place up until this point. Uh, and then begins to walk you down this aisle towards the boardroom and the, uh, the Justicar's chambers and, and minister's chambers. And on the way there, you are formally introduced to the Lord Magistrate himself, Sherlock Holmes. He greets you all. Welcome and congratulations, ladies, gentlemen, Charlie. Your mentors all speak highly of your performance, and I look forward to the opportunity to meet with you after your first investigation. Each of you have big shoes to fill, but I am confident that your mentors have made the right decision in your training and your selection for Queen and Country. Uh, and he takes his leave and then begins to mingle uh, amongst the crowd as you guys continue your tour of the facility. Dawkins uh, speaks up as you uh, enter into this uh, area here around the chambers. It's an area that many refer to as the network. Just next to the Great Hall, here's the network. This area is separated into three chambers an area for the junior members, the senior members, and the Justicars. You all, of course, will have desks in the junior members section, and my desk is located in the senior members chamber. The Justicar ranking is the highest honor that can be bestowed upon a knight, and is reserved for individuals that have dedicated at least a decade of service and proven themselves worthy of the title with a plethora of solved cases. Just across from the network are a series of meeting rooms and study halls that you may use as needed. The boardroom here, however, must be reserved by a senior member such as myself. A little further up the hallway uh, is of course the area in which you arrived for this evening's activities. And just at the base of the stairs of the is the conference room, uh, which will be made available to us when needed for our briefing. The library is here on the left, and Professor von Helsing is the curator of the extensive library we have at our disposal. This uh, long room houses thousands of books, and it's sectioned off into six areas each two stories tall with a balcony level accessed by ornate rolling ladders. There's a study area in the center with a series of long desks with green lamps on each table. There are beautiful oriental carpets lining the floor, but the walls have no space for decor as there is nothing but bookshelves as far as the eye can see. Dawkins introduces you to Professor Von Helsing who rolls up to you on a motorized wheelchair. Welcome, recruits. What a pleasure it is to meet you, one and all. I am at your disposal if you are ever in need of literature for your investigations. I have a vast array of tomes on the occult and the supernatural, and I am at your service at any point during your investigations. If it cannot be found in one of my books, it likely does not exist. <laughs> 
I look forward to working with each and every one of you. Please make yourselves at home. And after you guys have a little bit of time to kind of peruse the library, uh, Dawkins uh, ushers you out into this area about right in here. And he says, um, just across from the library, as we exit through the main doors, are our collection of lab laboratories. The Alchemy lab, lab is overseen by the brothers Gabriel and Caleb Jones. And the chemistry lab is governed by Dr. Henry Jekyll, whom you'll meet later in our tour. As we head down the hall, you will see the round table here. This particular area is reserved for briefing of investigations of high importance, and a member of the Justicars will oversee meetings at this table. Just beyond are the research and development lab and our magic lab. R&D is run by a pair of American inventors. They are a quirky pair and a bit of a yin-yang in personality, but they have develop, developed a massive amount of technology for us to use in the field. Come, let me introduce you. We will meet the masters of magic when we explore the West Wing. So he takes you into uh, the R&D lab, uh, and as soon as you enter, a red-headed goateed man in, a gr in grimy work clothes rushes over with a wrench in one hand and a screwdriver in the other. Uh, and whoever happens to be in the lead, uh, he nearly stabs you uh, with the screwdriver as he extends his hand for a hearty handshake and then looks at it, realizing he still has that screwdriver in his hand and tosses it over his shoulder. Hey, hey there, fellas, ladies. Oh, wow. <laughs> so nice to meet you. Folks around here call me Savage. Not really sure why. I'm actually pretty nice. Welcome to the Inner Sanctum. Glad to have you. Walrus, hey, look, new recruits. The man in the other corner of the room looks up, nods, and then just gets back to work. Now, the walrus is a man of uh, many words once you get to get him talking, but uh, don't get him talking. Hey, I see we have a couple of mechanics in the bunch. Mikasa Sukasa, you know what I'm saying? Uh, anything you need, you just let me know. Come and see me if you need to check out any tech. We got ghost catchers, spectral enhancers, magic detectors, you name it. All you got to do is just fill out the proper paperwork and come to me with a request. I run by the powers that be, and then it's yours for the duration of the investigation. Great to have you on board. I got to get back to work. Don't want to upset the walrus. Cuckoo, cuckoo. After that... Uh, Dawkins heads back out uh, into the area of the uh, of the round table uh, out here and leads you back up to the main hallway uh, to these two offices here and here. Heading back the way we came, I'll take you to the Arcane Library and Reliquary to meet a few of our magic and occult specialists. Uh, and I think I forgot to show you, I, I gave you Savage but there's the walrus. <laughs> and if you all haven't figured it out, that, that is the Mythbusters. So. Uh, so this is, first we have the offices and quarters of our two master magicians, Avalon's greatest illusionist, Alexander Herman, and Master Ching Ling Fu from China. These gentlemen are the pair that look after the magic lab from where we just came from across from R&D. Herman is ever the showman, while Master Fu is more of a, uh, well, shall I say, tranquil recluse. 
Depending on your particular provocation, you may be more at ease with one over the other. Elder Ichabod Crane, another transplant from the States, is the head of the Arcane Library, and he has partnered with the curator of the reliquary, Lord Griffin Croft, a world-renowned archaeologist and collector. These two gentlemen are whom you will need to visit when acquiring mystical or holy artifacts and mystical to or magical tomes. They must be checked in either by Elder Crane or Lord Croft to determine the matter of housing the items or to see if they need to be destroyed. On rare occasions, Lord Croft may grant permission for use of an item in his possession. Much like Van Helsing's lab, the Arcane Library is broken into sections, two stories tall, accessible by ladders. The mood is a bit darker in this room, and it's decorated in a more of a gothic style with purple carpets and looming tapestries. The reliquary, which is at the very tail end, I gotta move my map a little bit, right in here. Uh, the reliquary is a room filled with artifacts from across the globe, concealed behind, behind thick walls of glass. There's a large iron safe-like door right here that closes off the back room, likely where the more dangerous items are housed away from prying eyes. Master Fu shares the usage of the dojo, uh, seen here, with the magistrate of the Assassin's Guild, Alice Liddell. You may reserve time for the do dojo at your convenience. Magistrate Liddell's office is located just down the way, which is right here in the Assassin's Guild, and she is seen by appointment only. Um, and then he walks you just a little bit further down towards the steam lab and the armory in this area here and here. This area of the West Wing is also home to the armory and steam lab, which are overseen by Sir John Merrick. Mr. Merrick is whom you will see to check out any battle-ready equi equipment or field missions that may require higher firepower. Mr. Merrick may have an imposing demeanor, but rest assured, he is truly one of the most kind and gentle souls you will ever meet. Ah, well, here he comes now. And as he says that, you hear this... This gigantic metallic clanking sound coming from down the hallway and this enormous armored figure uh, that, that takes up pretty much the entire hallway uh, is approaching you. John Merrick speaks slowly and with effort and has a little bit of a metallic twang to his voice. Mr. Dawkins, I see that you are showing your new recruits around the facility. I bid you all welcome to these hallowed halls. It is a great pleasure to make your acquaintance. I am Sir John Merrick, and I am at your service. Please, Come with me. I will show you around the armory. Merrick clanks over to the entrance of the armory and places his large metal hand on a glass panel on the wall. 
and the doors to the armory slide open with a burst of steam. The room is split into three rows of tall metal shelves where all manner of weapons of destruction can be found, categorized by hand-to-hand -hand weapons, pistols, long guns, and heavy weapons. You've never seen the likes of some of the weapons contained within these walls. Much like the equipment found in research and development and the reliquary, one must have proper clearance and paperwork to utilize the weapons found in this room. If your personal equipment needs repair, you are free to use my steam lab or request a repair from me personally, and I will see to it that my technicians make haste in returning it to you. I have also set up a firing range here behind the armory for use by the knights that can withstand nearly any weapon found in the armory. Welcome to you all. I look forward to getting to know your needs as we work together for the safety of Avalon. Dawkins continues the tour uh, and leads you down the steps through some locked doors in this area here uh, into the medical wing and asylum. We will round out our tour of the facility in the asylum. This area is under the watch of Dr. Henry Jekyll, the gentleman I mentioned earlier. Dr. Jekyll is one of Avalon's most respected scientists and is committed to researching both the human mind and what makes supernatural minds tick as well. Here in the medical wing, you will find the infirmary as well as the morgue. Both of these, sadly, will become areas that you will become all too familiar with. Hopefully you will only have to visit the latter during an investigation, not as the result of a failed encounter. The asylum proper is where we will bring our culprits, accessible from a street entrance behind Parliament, away from prying eyes. Here is where investigations, interrogations can take place and where prisoners will be brought for processing. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you, Dr. Henry Jekyll. Welcome recruits, a pleasure I'm sure. The asylum, is the most sophisticated medical laboratory of its kind, dedicated to the science both of the human and supernatural psyche. To understand the workings of the human mind is the basis by which we may comprehend the incomprehensible. In these halls, I take in the wretched and the damned, those that cannot coincide with mankind, be they man or beast. Once I feel rehabilitation has been achieved to the best of my ability, the patients are moved to one of two off-site facilities. The meek are transferred to the new manor hospital, while the more violent offenders are placed in Bedlam. I have a team of caretakers whom I share this duty with, but ultimately our poor unfortunate souls' fates are left to me and a final diagnosis. Some of our patients have been with us for years, with rehabilitation still ongoing. The mind 
is a tricky business. You will bring any individual needing care to me through the back entrance and I will see to it that they receive the care that they need. Should you need assistance in forensics, I too am your man. With the assistance of Dr. Von Helsing, we will gladly lend our forensic services should you ever need them. I also have several rooms at your disposal for interrogation purposes. Any of my orderlies would be happy to help you in restraining your culprits should you need the assistance. Good hunting nights, and welcome to Her Majesty's Secret Service for Queen and Country. And thus ends your tour of the Athenium of the Knights of Victoria. So at this point, uh, you'll have some time to kind of mingle with the crowd, speak to anyone that you would want to speak with, perhaps introduce yourself to your new uh, companions that you'll be spending uh, most of your time with. So I turn it over to you at this point. Good day, everybody. <laughs> Pleasure to meet you all. My name's Bendigo Jack. You can just call me Jack. Or you can call me Bendigo. You can call me Bloke. I'm not really too picky. It's rather exciting, don't you think? Is there a, is there a when are we going to eat? Is there a dinner involved in this night? I mean, there are all these celebrations. Is there, have, when's dinner? Uh, there's hors d'oeuvres, uh, but but no full dinner. Now you would be aware probably of a uh, of a tavern nearby that you could probably retire to. Festivities are winding down, and everybody is you know just mingling, and some are leaving. You know, uh, it is rather late. It's probably about one o'clock in the morning at this point. Well, my name's Henry Hart. It's nice to meet you all. Um, I'm getting a little bit tired. I Say, why don't we retire to the tra tavern, get a little something to eat, get a drink? What do you say? Hi. I'm always up for a drink. Oh, yeah, I could do a beer or four. Right. Well, let's go do a, let's go get a pint. All right, so you guys uh, head up the stairs and uh, back out onto the streets of London. It's, uh, it's very late, but uh, there certainly is a tavern uh, open down the street. And uh, whoever wants to come up with the name of our little uh, potential hangout, by all means, I encourage you to come up with something clever. Don't even try it. <laughs> Andy. <laughs> hey, you got something, Andy? Uh, no, no, I don't have anything. I think Kurt uh, was thinking that he was going to say the wounded minnow. Of course, <laughs> like ready for that to come in. Well, uh, sure, <laughs> the wounded minnow would be fine. All right, the wounded minnow, it is. Oh, <laughs> uh, the wounded minnow, minnow uh, is uh, just a mom and pop uh, tavern that stays open until about, uh, well, about daybreak for the most part. Uh, so it's definitely a place, uh, one of the only places uh, near Parliament uh, that stays open this late. So uh, the lights are on. Uh, there seems to be a little raucous crowd uh, gathered inside. You can, you can hear music playing from the street. Well, I don't know about you all, but I need to sit down. I point, I point to a table over there and limp over to the table and have a seat and sort of prop my leg up a little bit. The festivities have taken their toll on my 
my body. And if one of you wouldn't mind grabbing me a pint, I would appreciate it. Oh, mate. You have a preference? Yes, I'll have the... Stinky knee. Stinky knee it is. <laughs> right. Anybody else want anything? Rum for me, shipmate. Yep, right. Uh, you all have names? I mean, I could just call you colleagues, I suppose, but... Father Mapple. Nice to meet you, Mapple. What, should I call you Father? Father, Father's right. fine. All right, Dad. Rum for you. What do you call yourself? Uh, Hieronymus. And you will find that I will not have anything to drink. All right. What about you, Sheila's? My name is Moira, and I will I will get my own whiskey, but thank you, though. Oh, yeah, no worries. Ma'am? I'll help you carry. I'm going to have a half pint of brown. Well, uh, let's go to the barn. Rum? Did you say a half pint of rum? Brown. <laughs> I'm a porter. I say. Right, well, I'll be right back. What can I do for you, mate? Oh, I'm going to need a bunch of drinks over here at this table. Uh, the one with the gentleman who's got his foot propped up. Uh, we need some rum. Uh, we'll have a stinky knee. Uh, you know what? Make it two of them. Sounds pretty interesting. Uh, the big bearded bloke. I didn't drink. Seems kind of boring, but we'll see. Uh, Actually, he's, uh, that not the, he's not the bearded bloke. Uh, he, he's the robot. <laughs> oh, okay. That's so, why I can't uh, drink. <laughs> uh, yeah, the robot's not having anything. Uh, that lady over there is going to order her own drink. Uh, and this lady here had like a pint of brown. The uh, clockwork fella over there. You know, most places around these parts don't really welcome them. But uh, you know what? I might have something for him. Just hold on a sec. He goes to the back, comes back out, and he's got a can of oil. <laughs> Slides that over to you. <laughs> and then he mixes up the rest of the drinks, pours the beer, uh, and uh, uh, offers to carry it back over to the table with you. Thanks, mate. Are you taking the piss? What, Sorry? me? Yeah, you. No, I'm not taking no piss. I'm trying to be friendly to the to the clockwork fella here. Right. Oh, you'll drink it, right? I will, sir. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's on the house. Welcome, all of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. The, the oil's on the house, not the drinks. <laughs> you oh. still got to pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were big here around here now. So what does this mean? Does anybody know exactly what, uh, are we supposed to, uh, are we sleeping here at this place? Do you know what the whole situation, can we go back to our homes at night? I, I yeah. didn't think mm -hmm. the orientation I missed. Yeah, you can, yeah, you can head back to, you know, whatever abode uh, that you have. You you have your own homes or, or places where you stay here within London uh, that would have been set up during the process of your uh, your training over the last uh, year. Yeah. Uh, so you have a, a, a humble abode uh, in which you can stay or if you were from London originally, you know, that, you know, your longtime home, you know, could still be your base of operations. Um, as far as reporting for duty, you would be reporting uh, for duty tomorrow uh, since this is uh, a rather late night. Uh, they're, they're expecting you to come in around 10 a.m. Got it. So where were you all born? Where are you all from? Uh, Nantucket. United States. Yes, I know where Nantucket is. <laughs> Closer to Ireland. 
You were born, robot? I as. Yes. Long story there. Mm. And please, <laughs> do not call me robot. Oh. For I am Marquis Warwick Axel Hieronymus. Okay, Marquis Hieronymus. Hey, but robot's shorter, mate. Call me Hieronymus. Okay, Mr. Marquis. Alright, Ronnie. Uh, I'm from Down Under, if you haven't figured it out yet. Uh, I was born in, yeah, it's part of my name, Bendigo. It's a little town in Victoria. Kind of neat that, you know, Knights of Victoria, from Victoria. You know, kind of seemed like perhaps it's fate. Yeah. 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 And the rest of you, are you <laughs> from around here? I was born in Scotland. That's my home, but... I travel the world so much. I, I don't spend a whole lot of time in Scotland. I have a place here in London, so. But that's my, that's where I was born. I was born up north, but grew up on the streets of London. Me, I was born, uh, I was born in Canterbury, but my parents, we quickly left for the new world, for the colonies, and uh, grew up in New York, and then back to England again. I don't know, Henry. You don't seem happy to be back. <laughs> yeah, it's a little cold here. I don't like the rain. It doesn't do well with my bones. But I didn't like New York either, so... I don't really like anywhere, actually. Oh, you've been all over. Is there nowhere that you like? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I felt particularly happy anywhere, to tell you the truth. But this is the best of it. I live in a church. Happy with God, supposedly, if there is one. Aye, there is. Yeah, 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 of course, that's what you would say. The limp. Where'd you get it? Where did I get the line? The limp. Ah, from a fish. Big one. Took my leg off. More like a shark. But, you know. All the time, you you look like you've spent some time on the sea yourself. Is that true? Uh, story, the story of the fish sounds familiar to me. Nantucket, that's a whale. Island. Were you a whaler? Yes. Mike, since it sounds a little familiar to you, uh, roll a common knowledge. Okay, remind me how to do that. Okay. So if you look on your sheet, you'll see common knowledge should be, I think, the second one down. Okay. And I've got a, a four for that. Got a four for that. Okay, so you'll roll uh, a, a d4. Okay. I got a four. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, oh. And your target number is a four. Uh, and actually, you can also roll a d6 as well, because you, all of you, anytime you make a, any roll, whatever your skill rank is, you're going to roll that die, plus you're going to roll a d6 on top of that. Okay, so roll a d6 as well. Okay. Got a three. Okay, so you take the higher of the two. So in this case, it was the four. Okay. So you succeed. All okay. right. Um, and once you hear about the shark and the loss of the leg, pieces of the puzzle begin to kind of fall together. And this guy, uh, Henry Hart, his reputation kind of precedes him. Uh, he's very well known uh, among the uh, the circles uh, of London and the elite 
uh, within London, most specifically the Royal Society of London. He's quite a storyteller um, and has been known to regale uh, members of the Royal Society of London with his tales uh, of the sea. So, Hart, you're the adventurer, Hart. Yes, that is me. I, I would expect a, a heartier tale of your leg. Uh, I'm a little tired tonight, but I will tell you the tale of my leg. So, like a, a, a large? Probably not too, and not too distant. Did you anger the shark? No, the shark angered me. Where, yeah. where, where were you that that you would you would be in such close contact with with a fish of that magnitude? Well, I limp, but I do have a leg. Just to let you know, it's not one of those stereotypical stories about a captain without a leg. Of course, you do. No, I have my leg. It was badly injured, and it has mechanical pieces attached to it to allow me to still to walk. But it's still my leg. Yes, we lost one of our sailors. He he jumped over the, he fell off the side of the ship. It was some large shark. It was something that was we'd never seen before. Some even said it was a, some sort of combination of whale and shark. It attacked our ship. Never seen anything like it. And uh, one of the, one of my good friends fell over the side of the boat and I jumped into the water to save him and it was that moment that the shark attacked me, grabbed onto my leg, and I had to take, I went in with a harpoon and I jabbed the harpoon into the shark's eye, managed to get it deep into the eye and just jerked it around while it had holding my leg. I pushed it in further until I felt something softer and then I twisted it while the waves were rolling around us. My friend almost drowned. And he was trying to help me, but he was having trouble even staying afloat. I managed to, the shark went down, but I managed to let go of my leg, but I sustained some injuries and deep to this day, it still feels the pain in my leg. And, uh, but I was managed to save my friend and we saved the ship. And we still don't know what that shark was. The almighty uh, works in mysterious ways. Uh, it's nice to see not of the almighty. A harpoon. Some other almighty, some other deep almighty, deep in the ocean. There are things you haven't dreamt of down there and things you haven't seen. Oh, I'm not so sure, lad. I am sure. But thank you for the drink. Many men, and mainly men, have sailed around the world, and few have seen the things that live in the depths of the ocean. Great story, mate. And you, uh, Mark, Mark, I don't want to say robot. <laughs> Just call me Hieronymus. Her Hieronymus. Um, your, your story, your tale. Regale uh, it. Would, it would probably, you would probably not believe it, given that I am a robot. And are now in this robot body. It would be even further fetched than the fish story we just heard from the gentleman here. Uh, try us. 
Give us just a, a small taste of, of so foreign an experience. I was once born of this land. I had a mother and a father. I then had a falling out with my brother. He and I battled, and I almost died, and I was these, saved. These family members are also robots like you. No. I was once human. And I was shoved into this metal can. And I... To be saved. As a result, I... Fled this land and went to your America. There, I have been hiding away from this country, away from any relatives that I have left, but still searching for my brother. For it is my mission to kill my brother. So your whole existence is revenge? For my brother, yes. Was it? Oh, no, no. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, was it so bad what he did? I don't... Why did you fight him? He destroyed me. He destroyed my life. He destroyed my family. He killed my parents. For me, they were the existence. My family was everything. And yet, I am now nothing because I am in this robotic form. Mm, I can understand that. But yet, so, none of you are in a robotic form. So, if you find him, and you get your revenge, what then? I still have a debt that I must pay. Must pay one a debt to my mentor. And I'll leave it at that for right now. Sorry to hear that, mate. It's That's tough. I will seek that revenge and have it. Or he is going to perish at my hand. Mr. Marquis, you do know that typically revenge doesn't bring you happiness. For I am no longer a happy person. I can never be the man I once was. I am stuck in this form. Not such bad form. It's kind of shiny. You try living as a robot. As a clockwork man. I once, I once held audiences with kings and queens of Europe. Now I can barely walk into a establishment such as this. Well, it sounds like we're not the happiest of uh, of companions, are we? You, sir, just seem jagged and old. As I am. But we can continue to uh, uh, regale each other with uh, with tales as the uh, as the night wears on. But eventually, the drink and the uh, dialogue uh, begins to get the better of us, and uh, and probably it would be time to retire so that you can awake in the morning to attend your first day of duty as one of the knights of Victoria. So if you all would like to retire for the night, we can reconvene then in the morning with Mr. Dawkins. 
That is fine. I need to recharge my power unit. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask if you sleep or if you should just top off and go unconscious for a bit. My internal component allows me to stay up for longer than average clockwork man, but I still need to shut down and recharge. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. It was a pleasure meeting you all. I suppose I'll see you tomorrow. I'm going to go hit the hay. To the hammocks. Well, good night, all. Until tomorrow. All right, so you return to your individual abodes uh, and bed for the night, uh, awake the next day, uh, and return to the Athenaeum uh, for your first day of duty. Uh, Dawkins, as he had said, uh, is located in the conference room uh, to meet with you all uh, for your first day. He is there and he says, good morning, everyone. <laughs> well, it looks like we're off to the races already. As you all well know, the Knights of Victoria have a very close relationship with the good men at Scotland Yard. When cases arrive, that lean towards the supernatural, we are often called to duty to lead the investigation on such matters. It just so happens that a case has come to our attention this morning. From the look of things, your first investigation should be an open and shut case. We have a report that has come in regarding a human victim that has suffered from massive blood loss. It seems, by all accounts, to be a neonate vampire attack just across Westminster Bridge in Southwick. Attacks like these are unfortunately not uncommon. A new vampire is embraced, set loose, set loose upon the public to fend for itself, and it is our duty to round them up. We have a specialist in Scotland Yard that is our liaison in matters of the kindred the official term for the vampires, an inspector by the name of Felix Underwood. Inspector Underwood has handled dozens of these cases and he has contacted us for assistance in capturing this particular neonate. These young vampires are careless and typically easy to locate. However, the inspector has concluded that this is perhaps not a run-of-the-mill vampire, as some of the clues do not match up with the usual modus operandi. And he believes that there may be more than one culprit, which is rare in cases like this. Now, I would recommend stopping by the armory to acquire some silver bullets or for any firearms that you might be packing and perhaps a wooden stake or two for as an added precaution. A good stab in the heart can incapacitate any fledgling vampire, as I am sure you are aware. Best of luck, and I do ask that you check in when you have more information. You should find me in the senior minister's chambers upon your return. And then uh, he stands uh, and walks you to the door and shows you out, and he makes his way uh, off into the Athenaeum. We're off to the armory. If that is your desire. Have any of you ever dealt with vampires before? 
I don't, nope. I don't know about that. This would be my first. Um, do we know that Van Helsing has dealt with vampires before? Is that oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't we go have a conversation with him before we go off hunting vampires? Would that be advisable? Sure. I vote for that. <laughs> so we all together walk down the hallway to Van Helsing's office and we stand outside his office and knock on his door. <laughs> One moment, please. And you hear uh, his wheelchair come up to the door and he opens it for you. Ah, some new recruits. Ah, what's a pleasure. Please do come in. How may I be of service to use this morning? Did you hear about the vampire activity, Van Helsing? Ah, uh, yes, I have heard that uh, perhaps there's a, a neonate that is running around and taking blood from uh, his victims. It's uh, not uncommon. Uh, this is the season for it. Got any pointers? I don't think any of us have dealt with a vampire before. None of you have dealt with a vampire yet. I find that hard to believe. Well, <laughs> you shall be in for a treat. Uh, the rumors that you know of, uh, I'm sure in your studies, are true. For a man that holds the love of God in his heart, a cross, held towards one of these beings will keep them at bay. But if you do not believe in the cross that you are holding or the, the item of holy knowledge that you hold in your hand, it will do nothing to the vampire. They only fear the faith that resides inside of you. You understand? Is it only the Christian? religion that repels them no 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 any any <clears throat> religious items that you would hold in your hands that you firmly believe in is enough to drive them back that would do, that would be effective against the vampire but you must believe a wooden stake to the heart only to the heart will incapacitate the vampire, it will not kill it, but it will incapacitate it long enough for you to take its head. Uh, and the removal of the head will eliminate the vampire. Sunlight, of course, is another, uh, but you only have a certain amount of hours to be able to utilize that. And most of the time you will not see a vampire that will be visible during the daylight hours. Silver, once again, a cold shot to the heart or to the brain in this case will eliminate the vampire as well. Now, a single shot, perhaps maybe not enough, but it will damage the vampire enough with one of those shots. Holy water, again, if you believe, that it holds power, then it will hold enough power to burn him. So these are many of the ways that a vampire can be destroyed. You don't have to fucking believe in a silver bullet, do you? No, you do not. It will do its job. Okay. So was the wooden stick for those <laughs> of you that are non-believers. Shipmates, I have faith for us all. 
So, is there anything are... else that I might be able to assist you with? Well, it seems like this one isn't like the rest of them. Uh, if we find out a little bit more information, you don't mind if we come back and bother you with it, right? My library is yours. All right. Well, I reckon I might stop by the armory before we head out. Anybody want to come with? Yeah. I... <laughs> All right, right, so you guys head down to the armory? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. With you being junior members, uh, at this point, you would be, you know, allowed access, you know, to, to basic weaponry at this time. Anything, you know, very advanced would, you know, require quite a bit of paperwork to fill out. Uh, and since it is daylight hours right now, you know, probably wouldn't necessarily need anything of any great power but perhaps just something to take along with you if you happen to be out a little bit later might you know be advisable um there are plenty of wooden stakes to choose from uh, if you should so desire to take one or two of those you are welcome to them uh and a wooden stake does strength plus a d4 in damage the reliquary has uh, crosses uh, that you can check out if you don't have your own or any other uh, religious implements that, uh, that you feel like, you know, uh, your character would have faith in. Um, I think yeah, I'd like go to ahead. some holy water. Mm -hmm. I've got, I've got my, my ironclad Bible, but I don't have anything more mobile or, or, <laughs> like that so a couple mm -hmm. couple of vials of holy water from the reliquary yes mm -hmm. yep that will be located there as well they have a basin uh just right inside the uh the front entrance to the reliquary uh that they refill uh on a weekly basis and it's it's easy to tell that from the the drinking fountain absolutely yes oh, okay. yeah yeah it's a, it's it's a large marble uh pedestal that has a bowl on top of it very easily recognizable do they have any guns we can check out or do we need to have already acquired one of those and just pick up bullets yeah you would have need to have acquired something and then okay. we can just uh load them with silver bullets yes okay so i'm gonna get some silver bullets because i have a cold peacemaker but it only holds six shots so i think i'll can i get 12 shots mm -hmm, sure yeah <laughs> take some extras yep and then um i happen to have with me a tibetan holy book that has great significance to me so maybe that'll help <laughs> yeah that very well might <clears throat> guess we can try um and as you guys are kind of loading up um savage comes into the armory uh, to drop off some equipment. Uh, and he, he spots you all kind of sorting through stuff. And he's like, hey, you guys on a mission already? What's, uh, what's the deal? What are you guys doing? Vampires. My favorite. Oh, what do you got? Uh, I have a good book. 
some holy water. We have stakes, silver bullets. Is there anything else you can think of? I, I don't think any of us have done this before. You've never you've never fought a vampire before. Oh, <laughs> come here, come here, come here. I got to show you something. Okay, uh, so he leads you back to uh, R and D. Uh, and he pulls out this long gun looking thing, but it's extremely lightweight. Uh, seems to be made out of like, um, maybe aluminum brass, maybe here and there, but mostly aluminum. So it's a really lightweight thing. And it has like this big tank on the front of it. He said, you, you got some holy water, right? Here, here, take this, (laughs) pour that in here. He unscrews the uh, the tank that's in there. Pour that right in here. All right. This is what I call Savage's Super Soaker. Here you go. You just point and shoot, and you spray the vampire with it, and it'll just catch on fire. It's the coolest thing. Uh, and the walrus is working on something, too. It's a bit of a prototype, so I can't guarantee it's going to work 100% of the time. But this little baby... And he pulls out what looks like a, a shotgun. Uh, and it also has kind of a tank on it as well. But this is one that is is kind of humming uh, just gently. You can just hear just this little hum coming out of it. Um, and he says, this one is the walrus's ultraviolet shotgun. And he points and pulls the trigger away from you guys. And it sends out this bright, super bright blue flash of light uh, that comes out of it. Now, he says it takes about six seconds for this thing to charge up after you shoot it. So you can't shoot, you know, repetitively. You got to wait for it to charge up. But this thing will burn those creatures alive. So... Don't tell him I gave this to you, but I really want to see whether or not this thing is going to work out in the field. So uh, who wants it? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bendigo. Uh, yeah. Did anybody else want to crack at this first? Or... Right. I didn't mean to like jump the line, but no. Oh, great. Yeah. Don't worry. I'll oh, be wait. trying this out. I'll let well, you know. Wait a second. S- since I shot it, l- let me put a new battery on that thing. <laughs> and he unscrews the base and then puts a new battery in there. That'll be good for six shots. Okay. Right. And uh, it's, it does 2d6 of UV light damage to vampires. And it shoots one shot per round and takes one round to regenerate. And then on the super soaker, Mike, mm-hmm. uh, the holy water does 2d6 damage uh, to vampires. Okay. While we're in the R&D lab, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask if I can pick up some odds and ends that I see. Mm-hmm. Some mirrors, some refraction devices, some reflection tools to um, try to maximize the amount of time we have with any daylight at whatever angle to focus into a beam. I think I can string something up together. Okay, sure. 
Yeah, you take what you need uh, and just kind of make a list of, uh, of items there on your sheet. And I think we can probably work with that. I also picked up two wooden stakes from the armory. Okay. I'm going to arm my staff with silver bullets. Okay. Can I do that? Yep. Mm -hmm. You sure, sure me. I've already got some silver shot loaded into my arm channels. Okay. Axel. I think I'm good. Do you, uh, did, you, did you pick up any bullets for your uh, guns? My guns are electronic repulsion guns. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. You're you're a little faint again. All right. Everybody feel like they're loaded up then? Guys, I forgot to ask Van Helsing about garlic. Does anybody know if it actually works? Oh, garlic. Does it repel yes. them? Yes. Oh, garlic it, it will does? repel them as well. Yes. All right, great. Do we have a kitchen? Uh, yes, uh -huh. there you have a cafeteria. Great. I'll go to run to the cafeteria. Anybody need any clothes? Okay, I'll be right back. I'm going to grab a couple of extras. I run to the cafeteria, I get my boomerang out. Guys, I have a boomerang that I carry with me, and I rub it in garlic. I just <laughs> coat that thing until it stinks, and then I shove a couple clothes in my pocket, and I run back. All right, guys, sorry about that. I've got a couple extra clothes here if anybody wants any. I'm going to make you stink. Garlic in an English kitchen? Oh, this is a fancy kitchen, yeah. You should have seen some of the stuff they had. It's just boiling. Yorkshire pudding for days. <laughs> yep. I saw one guy in there eating a full English breakfast. I thought, if I had that, I'd be sleeping for about an hour. <laughs> I guarantee that when we get back, I'm having two of them. <laughs> All right, so once you guys have loaded up, uh, you guys can head out. Uh, as he had stated, as Dawkins had stated, uh, it's just across uh, Westminster Bridge uh, is where you're going to meet this uh, detective, Felix Underwood. Uh, and I am sharing the screen right now so you can see him. So there's Underwood. And then I'll move you guys on the map to the location that you will be going to. Ooh. And there we are. The crime scene itself is located in a residential district off of Pierman and Emory Street. The area in question is a walled off area to the north and south encompassing a series of six houses that share a back alley for storage purposes. There are four bobbies positioned around the block maintaining crowd control. A murder has occurred and the onlookers are excited to see any evidence of foul play. Inspector Underwood is waiting for them just inside and is waiting for you just inside the alley. Uh, so there's a bobby uh, that's right here uh, as you guys arrive. Uh, and he says, you the blokes that they, uh, that they sent from the Knights of Victoria? I yeah. Right, right. Let me show you on back. Uh, Inspector Underwood's back there with the body right now. And then he walks you back into the alley. Uh, Underwood is right here. 
uh, and he walks you guys, uh, greets you, and then walks you down the alley uh, as he speaks. So feel free to move yourselves if you, if you so desire, uh, close to this little sheet right in this area right in here. Right, I understand you all are new, the new recruits. Well, come on then, I got a doozy for you. Hope you didn't eat breakfast. Might come up for a second go round. The body has been covered with a white sheet and it's laying in between a set of crates and barrels. Underwood walks over to the body and uncovers it. Uh, and it is laying in a pool of blood. We got a white male, approximately 35 years of age. We're working on identifying them right now and canvassing for witnesses. Apart from the blood you see spilt around him, as best I can tell, he's been sucked dry. That's all I'm gonna give you at this point. Let's see what you're made of, shall we? What you see. And for anyone that would like to make an investigation check, uh, you can roll uh, investigation. And that's uh, whatever die it is that is on your sheet plus a d6. And I got both fives. Both fives. Okay. Weird. Anybody else roll five. better? A three and a six. Ah. Okay. Now the six was on your six-sided die. I take it. Is that it was our our your smarts and your um. Is your smarts a six? My or? smarts is a six. Yeah. So I just rolled it twice. Okay. All right. So what you'll need to do is you'll need to designate one die uh, as your actual smarts die and then the other die as uh, your uh, what do they call it Kurt I don't remember I haven't read the rules recently oh uh, your ace or something like that I, I, yeah okay. so yeah the first die was my actual smarts that's what I got a three on okay so uh, your um, extra die then is the one you got the six on yep. so that one explodes which means you get to roll it again Ooh. one that's okay you just add that to it so you got a oh, okay. seven oh, all right well there we okay. go cool uh so that's that's a good roll then for you so with that die okay so you see that the man has indeed been drained of blood. He is pallid and cold to the touch. He has two sets of wounds, two puncture marks on the neck and two in his upper thigh, just below the groin. Both of these are similar to wounds found on vampiric victims, according to you know the reading that you have done. However, a vampire typically only has to feed from one location to slake their thirst. The second set of wounds suggest that he was bled by two attackers. Mixed with the blood near the wall of the building where he lays is a puddle of urine. He was likely attacked midstream and was taken by surprise, overpowered quickly as there seems to be little sign of a struggle so to test this theory does he have his pants on still 
Um, they are about halfway down. Uh, so, uh, yes, they're on, but <laughs> not, not covering the privates. So that confirms the theory. Correct. It's his urine then, probably. Mm-hmm. Good. It definitely has the smell of urine, for sure. So is there urine all over the place? So when he was attacked, is it like, you know, just went all over the place? Or... <laughs> oh, <laughs> area. Uh, he might have just been in the process of zipping up. Uh, so he was probably finishing, but not quite in the long mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, just, just going through the, the, the triple shake. Got it. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Important. <laughs> so, is it, do, were there any witnesses? Do we have witnesses? Well, like I said, we're canvassing right now to see about any witnesses. Uh, right now, we haven't turned anything out. Nobody seems to have seen anything. All right. Well, thank you for your good work on this. We're going to talk amongst ourselves for a moment. We'll get back to you. Right. What do you think, team? I I like to talk to in situations like this. I like to talk to people directly to find out what happened. Hmm. See if anybody saw anything. What do you think? Should we split up? See who we can find. Split up. Split up. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a good idea, mate. What are the buildings that are around here again? Is it a tavern or no? All uh, all just uh, residential, all okay. houses. Um, the large building right here has a stable uh, right here on the back. And uh, <laughs> I think Mr. Marquis, you can sit this one out. We'll take care of this. No stand here. No offense. Are there take are there any other like? footprints or things on like the edges of the rooftops there or anything else that we might be able to notice make a notice roll okay and that that'll be the die that it is plus a six-sided yep okay. uh, i got a a one on the regular die and then a four on the six-sided okay um mike you do notice uh, like You've seen murder scenes before, okay? Uh, and typically, you know that usually there's like a back spray. You know, if somebody is is ripped apart or stabbed or what have you, there's there's usually going to be spray of blood, you know, here or there. Now, in a case of a vampire bite like this, as far as your studies have gone, typically they will bite and then they will drink the blood that's there. So a lot of times they leave very little behind. Now, most vampires, when they do attack, um, often they don't bleed them dry unless they're extremely hungry or extremely inexperienced, okay? In this instance, it's, it rings pretty true to that with maybe one little exception. You do see a spot of blood uh, that is maybe about a half an inch long and maybe three-eighths of an inch wide uh, that is on the wall uh, directly behind where the victim is located. 
and it's probably about seven feet up. And it does not look to be a splatter. So can I just kind of look more closely? And mm-hmm. Yeah, if you hop up on that crate that is uh, right next to him there, you can get a better look at it. Okay. And then do me a favor and roll another uh, notice now that you're up there. Um, a three is the highest. Three is the highest? Okay. Yeah. All right. So you don't notice anything else, but what you do see uh, is once you get right up on it, it's a fingerprint. Mm. Now you're having to kind of stretch and strain to kind of get a good look at it. So it's not like somebody jumped up onto this crate and then put their hand where it is. Like you have to really kind of pull yourself over to really get a good look at it because it is like direct, like you're right here, Mm -hmm. right? It's like right in this area right here. Oh, okay. Okay. It, it appears there's a, a, a fingerprint or, or something in blood up here. Officer, did you, did, did you happen to notice, take note of that? Hmm. Well, color me impressed. I hadn't seen that. Good eye on you. That is unusual. Most of the vamps around these parts uh, stick to the streets. Even a Nosferatu doesn't make his way climbing up the architecture. Yeah, look, right above you. About another six feet or so, there's another one. So, so why don't you want to get on the roof and figure it out what you got up there? Who can climb up to a roof? Or Hieronymus, how far can you throw? Someone about my size. <laughs> or maybe Morris size. Morris. What? What? Moira's? What? Moira's? My what? You rest last night. Can you can you toss oh, her a Charlie up on the roof, maybe? Either one. There he is. Either one of you guys okay with that? I don't want to jump up there. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie? I I have object reading though, so I wonder if I can put my hands on the wall because I have to touch it and mm-hmm. just. I can go back. I think it says five years. I don't need that. I just need, I don't know, a few hours maybe. Okay. Yeah, you can do that. So that's going to be. I don't have to throw anybody just yet. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, That should be under whatever your arcane knowledge, I think, is. Your skills. You can also climb on my shoulders. (laughs) Because I'm like 6'2". Uh, spellcasting. Spellcasting. Okay. So I just roll whatever die I have that at. And a six. six. And a six. Mm-hmm. So let's do the six. Okay. That's good. I got another five and a three. A five and a three. Okay. So the five is a, is a success, and then you'll have to spend some power points. Uh, I think you have fifteen, I believe, to start. Mm-hmm. I don't have that written down, but yeah, that would be down at the bottom of your sheet. But I think you uh, you start with fifteen. 
Okay, so PP means PowerPoints. That's yep. how much we spend for object reading. It says two, so I take away two. That, that is correct. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Make sure I get this. Okay. Okay. All right, so you succeeded, uh, and you kind of reverse time uh, in your in your mind, and you kind of see uh, what happens here in this area. You see the gentleman that is now lying dead at your feet uh, stumble drunk into the alley and puts his hand up on the wall uh, and begins to relieve himself. Dropping down behind him uh, is a dark creature that slowly creeps up behind him uh, and grabs hold and pulls him down. Uh, and then bites his throat. While this is happening, uh, another individual drops from the same rooftop that you are touching uh, the wall of right now uh, and descends upon uh, the man as well. These two individuals, it's very dark uh, in here because it, it happened probably round about the time that you guys were having your drinks uh, at the Wounded Minnow and so it's kind of hard to make out what they really look like uh, but what you do notice that is a little odd is that when they finish uh, feeding on this man they literally crawl up that wall and get onto the roof uh, so that's what you see from that vantage point so the crawling is unusual for the vampires that we Yes. And the other unusual thing is they have four arms. Uh -huh. <laughs> Pretty unusual. I think so. Way to bury the lead on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> almost forgot that little detail. <laughs> and, and they got four arms. <laughs> Big pointy teeth. I'm going to walk around and see if there's anyone else to talk to. Okay. Now I take it that we should... I'll, I'll do it on my own. I'll just head off. Oh, and I've relayed all of what I saw to everybody. I didn't keep it to myself, so... <laughs> uh, Kurt, I'll uh, have you roll a notice. Notice. Mm-hmm. I will roll a notice. I'm going to hang back, but I'm following Kurt. Oh, you're not. You're not coming. Keep an eye on the They're going to ruin my ability to talk to people. They're going to be too uh, focused on the me. robot. They won't see me. All right, uh, Andy, are you being people sneaky? People don't respond to your kind so well in these I, I, I'll be sneaky. Okay. <laughs> Notice. So, uh, let's see here. Give me one second. Nero Stealth. Stealth, yep. In terms of notice, I got a three. Okay. That's your highest? That's my highest. Okay. So... I'd like to do a notice, too. I've got um, streetwise area. Okay. Oh, you got streetwise? Yep. Is that a um, edge? Excuse me. Is that an edge or uh It is, but I just rolled one and a one. Oh, 
That's really bad. That's, that's a critical failure. <laughs> um, honesty, though, right? Huh? Points for honesty. Yes. So a critical failure uh, is just as it sounds. Um, let let me figure out what we're going to do there. I'm going to go with uh, with Kurt's notice first. Um, and then Andy, what did you get as far as your stealth roll? A four. A four? Have a D, on a D6. Okay. All right. So, Kurt, you don't notice. Name's Henry. I'm sorry. Henry, you don't notice uh, Hieronymus following you. This robot following me. Well, he's very—he's he, a sneaky robot. I'm sneaky. sneaky. And you kind of are scouting the area, uh, kind of looking around for anybody that you know might potentially, you know, have some information. Everybody is is really pretty much just kind of looky looing uh, around, and most of them are kind of cutting up and, and kind of uh, throwing jeers at, at the cops and so forth. Uh, and doesn't really seem like anybody, you know, is really seems to have any, any working knowledge of what had happened. They're really just there, you know, just for the entertainment value of it. Now, Charlie, uh, as you come around the corner, uh, you do spot a little urchin boy. Uh, and he kind of is kind of hunkered down just a little bit and kind of nervous and just kind of peeking around people like that. Um, and that definitely draws your attention. So if you would like to speak to him, you may. Sure. Oi. Chat. Huh? Yes. And he runs. <laughs> he just runs. <laughs> and I'll chase him, I guess. Okay. Uh, roll athletics. Oh, geez. Okay. Does he run in my direction? No, he is running oh, away he's... from uh, uh, from the alleys. Ah, okay. Five and a six. Five and a six. Now the six was on your uh, extra die. Okay, uh, so you'll roll that one again. Four. Okay, so you got a total of 10. So that is, uh, anytime you roll, uh, your normal target numbers, unless I tell you that there's a plus or a minus, you're almost always going to be looking for a four unless you're going against somebody's parry or somebody's toughness. Okay, so your typical target number is always a four. For every four above that, is considered a raise. So you've got a 10. So that is a four. That's one success with a raise. Okay. Uh, so extra success. So you very quickly and adeptly just zip over to this kid and grab him by the scruff of the neck uh, with your robotic arm and just, zoop, just pick him right up off of the ground. What, what, what do you want with me, mom? You're not in trouble? I, just I, don't, I, I don't know nothing. Looks like you might know a little something. No, no, I don't know nothing. 
look, I know what, I know what it's like growing up on the streets and I know that you've seen a lot more than you let on. It's time to just let it out and nobody will know you're the one who talked, but I need to hear it. You've seen somebody skulking around with four arms? Four arms? Uh, no, no. It, it, was a, it was a big dragon. Tell me about this dragon. He, he, he was gigantic and he, he was red and he had big, gigantic, pointy teeth. And, and he killed that man in the alley, ripped his head clean off. When did you see this? Um, it was about six o'clock this morning. How many dragons? Just one. It was huge. All right. <laughs> now, All right. with the role that you got, <laughs> the critical <laughs> failure that you got. This kid really sounds like he's telling the truth. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I, I'm sure I'm going to have a very long chat with him. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so back to the, the crew in the alley. What are you guys doing? I think I'd like to try to just shimmy up onto this roof in front of us and, and see what's up there. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd like to come with you if I can. Yeah, is is it? Can I reach like the edge of the roof where um, I can pull myself up? If you stacked a couple of those um, barrels on top of that crate, potentially you might be able to get up there. Okay, can I give that a shot? Mm -hmm. Sure. Roll athletics. Okay, so that's a this. Uh, I got a nine on the regular roll and a five on the six-sided. Okay, so that's a success with a raise. Uh, so yeah, you're able to stack those up there and then just kind of shimmy right on up. Okay. And so. then Jack, you're wanting to go up there too? Yeah, I have survival and part of that is tracking. Mm -hmm. Would that be applicable yeah. to try and follow the fingerprints? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna roll that. Do you want to, you're going to probably want to get up there first because we know that they're yeah, going up on the roof at this point. Can I just like give them a hand up? Yep, mm -hmm, you sure can. Uh, and that's going to be an assist then. Let me see here. Will I need to roll athletics as well? You will. Uh, but with him yeah. helping you, you might get a bonus to that. Give me one second here. Mm. Well, I'll look into that a little bit more. But if you... Uh, Mike, you're you're going to assist him. So right now, I'm just going to say you assist, and so that's going to give you a plus two uh, to whatever you roll, uh, Jack. Two fives. Okay. And then the plus two, I guess. Yep. So yep. seven. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you're able to get up there with him, and cool. then now, if you want to roll uh, on the tracking aspect of that. Yeah. And then, Mike, if you want to roll a notice. Okay. So I had uh, a five and a four. Yeah, I got a five. For my survival, which is my tracking. A five and a three for notice. Okay. All right. So with those rolls, both of you guys, um, 
you kind of look around just a little bit, you do see uh, a few more little fingerprint blood splotches that kind of dissipate as they go up the roof and down the other side. Okay. Um, and they kind of just disappear at that point. But looking out over the street, you know, just to see what you can see, on the far uh, building across the street, uh, now this is kind of a two-way street, so there's like a little barricade in between, you know, to kind of keep the carriages from, uh, from going from one side of the street to the other. Uh, you see something too, uh, kind of glistening uh, strands that are hanging off of the building directly across from where you're standing right now. Father, you seeing what I'm seeing across the way? Hi. Sunlight's just hitting it just right where you just see just a little glimmer coming off of it. What's that look like to you? Uh, looks like they went that way. And we need to get over there and check that out and get a little bit closer. Let's go. Is it? Can we just jump from rooftop? No, it's too far. <laughs> Definitely too far. Okay. Yeah. Can we just uh, kind of go off the other side of this building without any sort of like, you know, like hang down and drop down kind of thing? Yeah, it's a two-story drop. Yeah, it's, yeah. There's a potential injury <laughs> there waiting That's to happen. Uh, I'll just we need that robot. Go back the way we came <laughs> and walk around. <laughs> Robots following us for some unknown reason. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you guys plop back down into the alley? Yeah. yeah. I'll give you that. Uh, and then once you get down there, um, Henry, Hieronymus, Charlie, what are you guys doing? Not much. We're watching Charlie talk to this kid about the dragon thing. And right around. She's on the other side of the building, though. Oh, I thought we were in the same place. Well, she chased him down somewhere. Oh, oh she, she's oh, on the other side um, of the building. Well, I, I guess I didn't see anyone. So I'm heading back to the group. Henry's heading back to the group because uh, he didn't find anything. So he's 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 heading back to the group to see what's going on with them. All right. Well, you see Father Mapple and Bendigo Jack uh, coming out of the alley at this time, kind of heading towards uh, the opposite side of the street, just opposite of the, uh, the building uh, that you're standing in front of. All right, I'll go over with them then. And Moira, you would have seen them come back down. Yep. And Hieronymus, they'd be walking past you. Yeah. Am I still off listening to pork pies or? Do I head back and uh, you you can be heading back as as they're maybe coming out onto the street with the pertinent information that you have. So it looks like whatever whatever those were or are there, there's something across the street that that I think we should take a look at. Right. Yeah. Oh, let's go. Let's do it. All right. Okay. Let's go. All right. So you head across the street. Um, and again, this is kind of another walled in area that's you know, similar to where you just came from. 
and it does have some back alleys there as well. Uh, fortunately, there's a, uh, there's a ladder uh, there that leads up to kind of a lower roof on the backside of one of those buildings. So you should be able to get up there without too much of a problem, pick the ladder up and then put it up to the top so you can see you know, what these things are that are hanging off of the front of the building. Um, once you mount the roof and get to the opposite side, uh, you look over the edge and there are two uh, probably maybe half inch long strands of what appear to be some sort of a very strong kind of thick silk-like strands that are just dangling off the edge and they're very sticky. I'll just kind of like reach down and grab one to kind of hold it up and take a look at it. Mm -hmm. Anybody have science? Weird science. Weird science won't do it. Everybody's got that right. Yeah, I got weird science. Nope. All right, then. I can take some back to the lab. Yeah, you could do that. <laughs> so just roll smarts. Uh, I got a two, and then I did get a six on the side. So roll your roll your six again. A one. Okay, so you're seven. Uh, so that is just a uh, just a single success. Looking at this, feeling the texture of it. I mean, it's it's very lightweight uh, to the touch, almost like gossamer. But the texture of it, it, you get it on your hand, and you have to pull it off with the other hand, and then it sticks to that hand. <laughs> I mean, it just ugh, it's very sticky. Yeah. And the feeling that you get in trying to shake it off is the same feeling that you would get had you walked through uh, cobwebs. But it's that thick. Um, okay, so I, I kind of work my way back down the ladder one-handed and, and to, to the crew. And I, what, do you, what do you make of this, shipmates? It's... Somebody, robot uh, man, Her Hieronymus, take me. Can you just grab grab that? Can you just? No, I will not. Leave me. <laughs> just, just the future notice. Not generally idea to touch slimy, sticky things that you just, don't know what they are. Here. <laughs> this, he, oh, that no. is all you. Gotta be. Ah. I'll uh, help you out, mate. Come last. here. Go wash, go wash your hands. Go wash your hands. Come on. Now they're both stuck together. <laughs> I right. got this. I got this. Uh, baby go Jack. Um, I need you to roll um, smarts. Oh. Obviously, it's not very high. Two fives. Two fives. Okay. Yeah, you're all right. You're able to keep keep your composure together, but as soon as you touch that, you're like, oh, it's a fucking spider. It's a spider web. Spider web. <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. Uh, this is this feels like a spider to me. Uh, yeah, from where I'm at, every single spider is the deadliest in the world and wants to kill you. So I reckon we are dealing with something that's probably pretty dangerous. I'm sorry, Henry. 
we're just going to stop here and we're going to all go back to the base. What is it called? What's our base called? It's not called the base. The Athenium. We're going to go back to the Athenium and we're going to get that carefully removed from your hands before it spreads anywhere else. When he shook it, it came off. Oh, never so, mind. So it, it, it did come off. So you don't have to worry about that part of it anyway. I have a mechanical right. arm, so I, I don't mind trying to gather it up uh -huh. and stuff it into the, the little um, lined pocket. Sure. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you get that, no problem. All right. I could have done that. Thanks, Charlie. Nice to watch everybody else struggle. <laughs> Appreciate it, Charlie. Thanks, Hieronymus. Way to step no up. <laughs> Do you even feel things? Not in my like present shame. Form. <laughs> like shame. <laughs> I believe we need to go back and analyze the webbing. But these are not vampires that we are tracking. They're spider people. Well, maybe we should look and see if there's more and there's a trail that we could follow. And then maybe simultaneously we should take some of it back to the lab to have it analyzed. Maybe we could get some yeah. more information from the scientists. Yes. So we're going to split up? No. Let's, let's follow the trail together. Let's see if there is a trail. If there's more of this substance in other, in other places that we can find. <clears throat> oh, I can try um, to track it again. Sure. Let's yeah. Stay on that trail, see if there's more. I can get on the roof and use my far sight. Oh, what's that? It allows me to see far distances. Is he talking slow? Are you talking slow? No. Okay. It's, uh... He's a robot. Of course he's talking slow. <laughs> it's very fitting. For whatever is going on with your microphone is very fitting for your robot voice. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so you you want to give that a shot, uh, both Jack and uh, Hieronymus? Uh, yeah, I rolled a five and a two. Okay. All right, so okay. five. All right, Andy, and so, you're going to roll under um, whatever your magic, quote-unquote, magical power is. Uh, and for you... It's a two. The PP is a two. That's how many points you're going to spend. Okay. Um, and you'll be shooting, doing that under weird science. Oh, that's right. Okay. So that's a eight side plus a six. Uh, let's see. High is an eight. Oh, so you got an eight. Mm -hmm. Okay. So roll the eight again. Seven. Okay. So. So you got 15, so that is four, <laughs> several raises, <laughs> plenty of raises. All right, so you are able to kind of scan uh, around the area and you spot another series 
of uh, webbing uh, from one rooftop to another, to another, to another. And eventually, if you follow that, which I assume both of you guys probably will, Jack, you, you, with your role, you can certainly assist in this as well. Uh, we'll end up uh, probably about six blocks away and drop down uh, into an area that has a well. Uh, and it seems like that's where the trail ends. Is that a well? And since it is 11 o'clock, we can probably leave it right there with you guys standing around a well, looking down into a deep, deep, dark, dank pit. And then we'll pick up there spiders. in two weeks. It's fucking spiders. <laughs> if this whole thing's about spiders, I can't come back. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> and Mike, when you said that uh, Bendigo Jack was afraid of spiders yeah. when we were creating the characters. Yeah. I had already come up with this adventure already. <laughs> so I'm not doing this to fuck with you. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. <laughs> All right, guys. I think that's it for tonight. Right. Okay. And Good night, everybody. We'll see you awesome. all in two weeks. Good night. All right. Bye. Bye. Good night. Bye.